0: It's not just philosophy. It's not just great hair. It's <laughs> philosophy with great
1: hair. You know? I mean, it's a conversation. <laughs> Holy shit. He just came up with our tagline.
2: You're listening to Good Is In The Details, the podcast where we learned what we didn't know we didn't know in the spirit of Socrates. Hosted by myself, Dr. Gwendolyn Dolsky, and the very talented, very witty L.A. lawyer, Rudy Salo. And this episode is a wrap-up of Season 2 with a very special guest who crashes our Zoom at the very beginning. And, yeah, we do a bit of a walk down memory lane. Let us know what your favorite episode was. You can get in touch, good as in the details pod at gmail.com, or on Instagram, good as in the details pod. Okay, let's do a Season 2 wrap-up. Who's Jeff? Oh, what's going on? What's happening?
1: I think we just got hacked.
2: Did we get hacked? Yeah, we did. Who is that? I have
1: no hey, idea. Hey, hey, hey!
2: <gasps> is that Jeff Cortezi? <laughs> <Hey,
0: man. laughs> Sorry, my my uh, lighting is not very good in my car.
2: That's okay.
1: Did you invite him on <laughs>
2: I
0: did.
2: <laughs>
1: this is hilarious.
2: <laughs> I not I I was gonna
0: get, Rudy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, thought
2: I, in, I thought that I would I I thought that would invite somebody um, who's been on the pod a lot and who's a lot of fun to talk about our season two or to pop in and say hello. He's only got a few minutes, but I thought his, I'd surprise his, you. His
1: timing is excellent, considering he just missed the first part of that conversation. <laughs> Yeah, big uh oh. Trust me. <laughs> I'm gonna have
0: to, i have to listen later to find out, huh? No, 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 <laughs> no. That, no that it's not gonna definitely be. Definitely <laughs> not
1: getting onto. Uh... Oh, it,
0: that one didn't make it on. I got gotcha. no, nope,
1: no. Nope. You should see what we say about people before we actually uh, hit the record button.
0: <laughs> oh, I've been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How are you, my friend? How is the book? I'm doing well.
0: Oh man, it is for the
1: most part done. The heavy lifting is done. Congratulations. That is quite the feat. Thank you. I'm so
2: excited. So you're going to be on for season three, right? To talk about your book. Yeah,
1: for sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Is a book about corruption exciting, Jeff? Or is it the fact that you are like drafting the textbook on it exciting? Tell tell me one (laughs) of the two.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, being done is exciting. Yes, so yes, finishing,
1: finishing is exciting. Yeah. No matter what the I topic is. I mean, I
0: is. I have no idea if it's any good. What what it, I can it, tell you is, it's, I've read uh, parts
1: of it. It is good.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate that. You and, know what it's not. It,
1: it's, you know what it's not. It's not exciting. It's depressing. That's not a that's yeah. not a knock on you. It's the actual topic is like, oh, this is one of the reasons why the world kind of sucks, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I I had uh, different people read different parts of the book for feedback purposes, and and for different reason one of the big takeaways that i received from certain folks was man i had no i i, I never thought about it there I never thought about corruption there. I never thought about corruption in that context or in that part of the government or, you know, if I am lifting the curtain a little bit, then, you know, that's a win. And that's ultimately, this is not a highbrow, overly academic perspective on corruption. It is a simple former federal agent's perspective on corruption.
1: And you are not offended at the fact that I stamped, that I smashed (laughs) Gwen's excitement down by, because it's, because it is a topic that will open her eyes, right? You're not, you're not offended. I didn't offend anybody
2: that he didn't (laughs) Jeff be honest is this why you're calling in in the dark (laughs) (laughs) is this why you're not showing your face or are you hiding really, from your I'm five trying. children?
1: It, he's Batman. He is literally. <laughs> Jeff is now converted into, into the a caped crusader against corruption. Yes.
2: I love yeah, how I Jeff is like, I just, I just wrote, I wrote a book on corruption. It might be, it. you know, it's for people or like what's going on in the government. And he's calling in the dark. We can't actually Man, We
1: should have had the Darth Vader voice. He should have had the Darth oh, Vader voice. Oh, that would have been great. Because we, we were, be we were having technical way. difficulties before. It would have been perfect we, if people have called in. I well,
2: <laughs> think. Collective. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the we as in good as in the details was having technical
2: <laughs> i know i had this i, I had this whole plan i've been texting with jeff i'm like i think this will be so much fun if you just pop in and surprise rudy and then rudy you kept pushing the time back and then as soon as you get on i'm like can we get started and you're like my microphone doesn't work and like, it didn't oh, work my god
1: Totally didn't oh, no. work. I am so sorry. It was, you know, so you did know we what? make
0: it right in time or what? This is let me time let me say out? something
1: really quick. I knew something was up because this is the first time ever. Gwen's like, Hey, can we just get started? I'm like, Jesus. I mean, here I am. <laughs> like, I'm trying to. I'm trying to finally like placate and like talk for like a little while because I'm always the one that's in a rush. And so she kind of hurt my feelings for a little bit. But now I know you two are in cahoots.
0: <laughs> we, had, we had something in the works. Well, Gwen had something in the works. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to miss this. This is my favorite all-time podcast if there's ever – an opportunity to do this show, I'm I'm never going to miss it.
1: Did you know, Jeff, that we are in the top 1.5% of podcasts in the world? I did not know that. Gwen, would you like to indulge Jeff on that statistic?
2: That that is so crazy. I was talking to my cousin the other day and she's working on a website for me and she looked up the podcast on Listen Notes. I think that's the website. And she said, your podcast is in the top 1.5% globally of podcasts. And I was just, I know I'm just, I was just so stunned. I mean, I'm just so humbled by that, that people would want to listen to us talk philosophy and, you know, grill people about their ideas. But I, you know what, it's probably because Rudy has such fantastic hair.
1: I'll actually explain why. It's very, it's actually very simple. So if, if anybody has listened to the show, they will know that I'm a terrible mathematician. In fact, math scares me. Numbers scare me because you can't bullshit numbers. But I will apply mathematics to explain us being Top one point five percent in the world. There are probably about the the beginning of twenty twenty one. There are about two million podcasts in the world. There are probably about three million podcasts in the world. So technically, if you have listeners that are above like a thousand, right? That's like the threshold. You automatically get catapulted into a higher category of podcasts. And we we've done well. We've picked up listeners. We're in the you know I guess let me see how many digits are there in the thousands. There's one digit two. Two digit three there's four digits there see I can't do mathematics so that's the explanation
2: that's awesome I'm so excited yeah I mean I don't know if you're right or not
0: I mean I get what you're saying but at the end of the day I think it's just great it's not just
1: philosophy it's not just great hair it's <laughs> philosophy with great hair, you know, I mean, it's, the comp- it's <laughs> everything. Holy shit. He just came up with our tagline. It's
2: philosophy Jeff with great literally-
1: hair. No, I'm, I'm not kidding around. Jeff literally just wrote our tagline. It's not just philosophy. It's not just great hair. It's philosophy with great hair. Unbelievable. You're a marketing genius, Jeff.
2: Well, hey, and Jeff is part of this. So this is technically I think his fourth time on the podcast, right? Yeah. But Jeff, I still, I wanted to tell you, I had a chance to be interviewed for another podcast. And one of the questions that the person had asked me was, You know, what are some of your favorite or most memorable ones? And I still come back to that first one that we did. FBI agent. Yeah, because it was to me, it's one of the best episodes because it had this beautiful flow of conversation, levity, and information. And I just am so grateful that you trusted me, you came on, and that you came on again to talk about border fraud. (laughs) Um, And it's just so beautiful. And another reason why I really like it is because I know that we probably come from different political points of view. But what yeah. I love about our conversations is that it is really demonstrating to the world that you can have lovely, fruitful dialogue where you laugh and you're friends and you learn from each other and you listen to each other. I really like that we're able to put that out there. So thank you I've, so much for that.
0: I, you know, I love that too. And, I, you know, Rudy and this show has been something I've talked about to people in my private life all the time. And it's touching on exactly what you're saying. It's a great opportunity to engage with people who come from different perspectives. But man, you know, these are people that I love and enjoy hanging out with and it's not personal. And and Rudy, uh, and he knows, he and I have had a lot of personal conversations with each other about different things. He challenges me in the way that I think. I hope that I challenge him in the way he thinks. And at the end of the day, I know he's good people with good intentions and goodwill. I hope he thinks the same of me. And when we all see each other that way we better understand, Hey, listen, we're all just coming from different places and uh, there's a lot of growth that we can gain from each other. Setting that aside man, at the end of the day, we're just like, three high school buddies who can <laughs> sit down and have a great conversation. I love it. I love it. It's, of all the podcasts or TV or radio or whatever it is I do, this is, this is by far my favorite.
2: Great. Well, let's just say, yeah, thank you. Well, when is your, you know, Rudy mentioned your book at the beginning. When is, when can we expect that on the shelves? When is that going to be out?
0: I, I don't have a date as of yet. Uh, it's been turned into the publisher, being published by Rutledge. Four to six months is what I'm hearing. I'll, okay. I'll be sure to let y'all know when I when I know more about a specific date.
2: Oh, that's so exciting! Congratulations.
0: So signed Thank signed you.
1: copies, perhaps for our for one oh, one you, one page one of our Patreons, Gwen, should be able to. Win oh yeah. A copy. Well, We're you
0: not. you know you're both going to get
1: one. So absolutely. So what else is so what else hear, is what, what else feedback. is happening, my friend?
0: Man, not much. It's the same old, same old, you know, we're just fighting through this COVID thing like everybody else and family and kids pulling us in a million different directions and work and, you know, just adjusting
1: to the the new normal.
2: Is there anything that you've taken away from this that that you're not going to go back? or do you see things not going back?
1: To be fair to the listeners, before Jeff answers that, Jeff was working from home prior to COVID. So yes. he's one of those friends of mine that I, I actually like would reach out and like kind of get some advice about, hey, what did you do about this? Or how did you do that? He was already kind of in the working from home environment. That aside, what did COVID change, if anything?
0: Uh, you know, candidly, from my perspective, nothing's changed. If it's up to me, everything goes back the way it was. And I understand that, There are different people who have different perspectives on it, different sensitivities, different takeaways from this whole experience. You know, at the end of the day, nothing's changing in my world or ideally nothing would change in my world. But I'm understanding of the fact that there might be things that change whether I want them to or not, if that makes sense. You know, I'm not... not, um, Unreasonable to the sensitivities of other people, right? I'm not looking to. This is my position. This is how I feel. Therefore, you should submit per se. You know, mm-hmm. particularly on things of like health and and whatnot. So you know, if as long as the stores tell me I gotta wear a mask to go into the store, I'm gonna wear a mask when I go into the store, right? If they said I didn't have to wear a mask, I probably wouldn't wear one. So you know, in my ideal situation, we go back to normal as quick as possible. Does that include hand, hand,
1: does that include handshakes? Because I'm telling I'm, you, I, I, I am, yeah, I, am I, I am against them. I am against
0: them. And I you and you and I have had these conversations that I know you well enough to know that I absolutely believe that, and, and I think you know that I probably am not. I don't, a, handshakes don't bother
1: me because I'm not, I want to, you know, get back to it. <laughs>
0: You, right I really you're not a so crazy many-
1: person you're not you're not the person who <laughs> yeah. if you touch another person's hand don't immediately think how can i run to the bathroom and wash my hand as fast as yeah, like I without without offending them and that was pre-covid
0: yeah and i know some people are that way and that you know that's fine i get it like i said i'm not unreasonable toward that position I can only speak for myself i hope to god we never lose shaking hands i hope to god we never lose you know human human intimacy uh, you know even in the friendship capacity you know hugging and handshakes. And, you know, I think we lose a lot more of each other when we, if that's lost. Will you feel
2: differently if you're in a restaurant and you hear somebody at the table next to you sneeze? (laughs) I feel differently when I hear that, or I had a cough and it wasn't COVID, but I had a cough and all of a sudden I was so self-conscious whenever I was out in public and I had to cough and I wanted to scream, Hey, I'm vaccinated. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's just a cough.
0: I am more self-conscious about it with myself than I am about other people because everyone else is super self-conscious about it, too. So if someone coughs or sneezes, usually, you know, they're draping themselves with something to to protect everyone else.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I'm more self-conscious about it with myself. In fact, I was at the store uh, like a month ago. And I said, oh, there's, look, there's a couple of like at-home COVID tests. I think that's a great idea. I'll have a couple of those at home. You, you know, we, we have a big family. Might be good to know if we've got it at some point, right? I grabbed about two or three of them, walking up to the front. Can- Subconsciously, I realized, I looked down, I was hiding them. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't want people to see that I was buying COVID tests because I didn't want them to think that I had COVID. It was a weird psychological event. I didn't have it. My family didn't have it. I saw it and I'm like, that might be nice to have at home, but psychologically, I was protecting the name. I was kind of hiding it while I was walking. I thought that was kind of a funny. I, I chuckled
1: about that when I realized what I was doing.
2: Rudy, like, just gets a basket and just dumps everything off the shelf into it's his terrible. basket, all the time
1: In fact, they, they even tell me, they're like, sir, you can only buy two at a time. I'm like, no, 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 no. come on. What do you mean two at a time? This is ridiculous. You have a, you have a whole stockpile of them. I need these at home. Like, I mm-hmm these because I'm a crazy person. I need to stockpile my COVID test. So this way I can alleviate the crazy. So by the way, you feeling subconscious, sneezing and coughing in a restaurant and Jeff, now you feeling, welcome to being Rudy. You guys now know what it's like to, to just be in covid root. Yes, yes. Pre-COVID. So yes. you guys are crazy now too. <laughs> Jeff welcome is to getting
2: world. COVID tests like it's a pregnancy test. <laughs>
1: right. I was gonna say was it kind of like you know if the wife asks you to get some feminine products or you have to get something kind of embarrassing you were kind of hiding it down there yeah I mean that's the it's, it's, it's thing
0: now <laughs> that wouldn't have fazed me getting feminine products you know going to the store for my wife for that that wouldn't bother me one bit but somehow that COVID test boy that messed me up
1: I'm, that was a good question Glenn now we know what's changed uh, Jeff it actually has given him a little bit of you know embarrassment or humility with with something so I like oh, that man. that's pretty good
0: absolutely there's nothing worse and having to sneeze or cough in public.
1: Like, I just
0: don't want any part of that. Just because I know that it... it- immediately
1: sets off the alarm bells for people. And yeah, I get especially, it. Especially crazy people like myself.
0: Especially crazy people. But we love you anyway, Rudy. And you were crazy <laughs> we before you. COVID <laughs> as we've already covered.
1: So. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true.
2: <laughs> I'm curious, Jeff. I mean, I know um, I know you can't stay that long, but when you said with your, and we're going to have you on the pod again to talk about your book, but sure. I'm just wondering when you said that maybe there were a couple parts where they were surprised of like where corruption could be. Can you, I just want a snippet. What is a place where there could be corruption Let's just tease the book a little bit where people might not expect it.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many people understand Indian country reservations, Indian reservations? Okay. Or, or even think about that. Do you know, do you know that the collectively, uh, if you put all of Indian country in the United States, so that's the lower 48 in Alaska, if you put all of that land together, they would be the fourth largest state in the country. That's how much oh, Indian wow. country land exists. And a lot of people don't know that. There are a lot of people who live on Indian country. The, the poverty is of epic proportion compared to the... The rest of the country. And with that comes a certain amount of corruption. And I talk about some of the challenges with fighting corruption on Indian country, but people don't think about it. And in fact, it, it actually impacts a, a large chunk of the nation.
1: So that, that might be one of them. Hey Jeff, you have unique, you probably have some unique insight into that because forgive me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the FBI had some, not necessarily jurisdiction, but they had some, I mean, the way that Indian sovereignty works versus states over native tribes, like you. Probably have some perspective that, like, literally most people in the world wouldn't even have. So that's one reason why they may not think about it. Yep. No, absolutely.
0: It's very normal that people wouldn't think about it. It's not a criticism when I say that, it's just something that doesn't hit people's radar for the most part. And uh, law enforcement and the law in general is a completely different animal an Indian country. So FBI agents and Bureau of Indian Affairs agents are primarily responsible for working federal violations on Indian country. Each of the tribes, they all have their own tribal police, but they can't, you know, it's hard to broad brush it, but with generally speaking, they work misdemeanor. So anything that reaches a felony, so you have a a drunk driving that results in a death, an FBI agent is working that. You step outside of the reservation, an FBI agent's never gonna work a drunk driving case that results in a death, Mm -hmm. right? So some of the violations are completely different. Some of them are, their caseload is a lot different than outside of the reservation. And their work, their manpower is extremely limited. So the point that I get at, or one of the points I can get at as it relates to Indian country is the fact that we have so few agents working Indian country. You know, candidly, their violent crime, their sexual crimes are of such significance relative to their total all the violations that they may encounter, that those take priority over corruption. Outside of the reservation, there's very little that takes priority over corruption. So on the reservation, you have child sex abuse and you have different uh, arson, you have life-threatening violations that take priority, thereby pushing Corruption lower down the priority list, and when you are already working with extremely finite resources, it might never get addressed. Is the point? So poverty, with the corruption that is not being addressed to the level it should be, begets more poverty. Is part of the discussion in that in that
1: chapter. And that (laughs) might be particularly relevant today because as we've recently heard about the woman uh, with the Florida boyfriend who was found murdered, and it was a national sensation, and she went missing and was all over the news. One of the criticisms has been hey, there have been a lot of Native American women out there that are missing. This has not gone on to the media that no one's been paying attention to. And how come no one's talking about this? I mean, that goes straight to your point. Like there's a fair amount of these crimes that are out and that kind of shifts the priorities. I mean, corruption's all the way down here. And there's these really horrendous crimes that are still not even getting addressed. Is that somewhat relevant? It is. And I actually read some of that today, some of what you're
0: talking about. It's a weird relationship with the federal government has with Indian country. There is a desire for autonomy within Indian country. Then you add in the fact that there is a racial component, which makes the relationship even that much more delicate. Mm-hmm. A lot of the crimes that you're talking about, uh, it would be important to first start with where are those crimes being committed and who's committing them. And that will give you a good idea of where the problem lies in terms of where it needs to be addressed. You know, absolutely right. These women, there are horrific things that go on in Indian country. I use these words in this chapter because I absolutely believe it. I think Indian country is our dirty little secret. We sweep it under the rug. We sweep under the rug how bad it is because they want autonomy and we're afraid to talk about what goes on there.
2: That there's a similar issue in Canada too. Yeah, because, they they have a- because I would imagine part of it is also a lack of representation. So when there's a lack of visibility, that's because if you have the separation of governments and this autonomy, then you don't have any kind of a political power or voice. And then it's also a historical context to that desire for the autonomy. But then you don't have any political representation. So then it seems like when it comes to law enforcement, this is just kind of the, this is the byproduct of the history and the lack of voice.
0: I completely agree. There are so many elements to this discussion; it is it cannot be reduced down to one or two things. Like you said, the, the the history that exists, their desire for autonomy is rooted in you know for good reason. They they want to be autonomous. So many elements to the conversation, and I don't touch on all of that, but I do touch on hey, you know, there's a lot of corruption, and we're not really addressing
2: it, and that does not help them. So wait, I have a question. That, okay, so this is a stupid question. Can I ask a stupid question? I'm I think. Yeah. I'm just realizing that I don't know anything about this. I've if, never
1: heard you ask a stupid question. So you know, usually <laughs> everyone always says, that's a great question. am I actually going to? I can't wait. Now I'm waiting. I'm
2: realizing that I don't know anything about this because I thought that the reservation meant autonomy. So my question is, if you commit a crime on that land, how is that subject to federal laws yeah. if the law is, if it's an autonomous area so i didn't even realize that you could commit a crime there and then have the federal government so i think i'm missing something here
0: again i'm speaking in general terms because it might there are state approved reservations there are federally approved reservations there are different slightly different rules that might apply in one state from another state in general the tribal police can investigate and Again, it depends, but uh, tribal courts, they have their own courts. They can only hear misdemeanors. They can't hear felonies. Those fall within federal jurisdiction. So you have to be either Bureau of Indian Affairs, uh, FBI, or have achieved a certification, a federal certification that allows you to investigate those crimes. And again, it it differs from place to place, but if you are a non native on Indian country committing a crime, the jurisdiction is going to be different than if you are a native on native land committing a crime, or if you're a native off of the reservation committing a crime. So there's the state, there is the federal government, and there is the- The The local government. Tribal tribal police, not the local, unless you, once you go into town, right? Once Uh, you go into town, that's right. Right, right. But So, I mean, you've got all these different elements. It is pretty complex. It's not a super clean, you know, what's the, Longmire is actually a pretty good show. If you've ever seen Longmire, they do a pretty good job of explaining some of the challenges between local law enforcement and federal law enforcement and tribal police. But it's pretty complicated and most people don't understand it.
2: I'm definitely looking forward to reading this. I mean, I'm thinking, is it similar to how the military has its own courts or no? It's still different because within the reservation, they cannot
0: military courts can, can prosecute. They prosecute their own entirely. You know, somebody kills a military professional, kills another military professional on a base. They can prosecute that, as I understand it, entirely within the base or within the military. That's not the case in the reservation. If somebody kills somebody on a reservation or if there's a child exploitation, rape, something of the sort, that's going to land in the FBI or the Bureau of Indian Affairs or somebody who's certified oh, to work
2: there. That. Okay.
0: That's not, that's not going to land in a tribal
2: court. So it's Gosh, it is that's different. That's so interesting. I think I have a lot to more learn about the relationship between the federal government and the reservation. It's
1: very complex. One movie, and Jeff, I don't know if you've seen this, and I haven't seen it in a while, but for the very first time in my life, I finally understood a couple of the differences between the federal government and um, tribal government. The movie, I think it's called Thunderheart with Val Kilmer. Do you remember that movie where it explained about a series of murders in in North or South Dakota that based on a true story in the 1970s, pretty good. It does a pretty decent job of ex- explaining some things. I mean, I'm not trying to offend anybody if anybody found that movie offensive in any way, shape or form, because it wasn't a good movie or anything. But it does a pretty good job of giving like a little bit of a base of understanding. And it's actually based on a true story. So check that out.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there there are a few uh, movies and or shows out there that give a glimpse into the relationship between law enforcement and life on the reservation. These are a proud people with a proud culture and a, a rich history. And it's an interesting discussion.
1: And so that's probably one of the reasons why, Gwen, if somebody was reading their chapter and they said to Jeff, man, I didn't even know this was going on. Oh my gosh, this is absolutely terrible, right, Jeff? Because let's be honest, you're right. A lot of this stuff is swept under the rug. Not very many Americans or anybody else in the world really thinks about the fact that here within the United States, we actually have these separate uh, governments that are there yeah. these separate countries. And I've done some Indian financing whereby I actually have to read the constitution of an individual tribe and I have to read their treaties and and then I have to uh, extrapolate certain things for financing reasons. So that's why I'm familiar with
2: it. Well, we're learning yeah, something yeah. we didn't know we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's the whole point. That's why we're that's what we're doing. That's what we're about. That's right. And that's half of a
0: chapter. I mean, you can write a book on that relationship and I, you know, we try to keep it to the corruption itself. But you can't talk about corruption and not talk about poverty and talk about some of the other issues that they face and there is a correlation that exists globally between, you know, the level of corruption in a region and the, you know, the poverty and violent crime and everything else that goes with it.
1: We explore that a little bit.
2: I'm curious, what was your writing process? procrastination
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's what every writer's uh progress
2: did you have like a schedule time like okay at this time every day i'm gonna write or yeah the only
0: deadline i met was the last one (sighs) i set plenty of deadlines for myself but i didn't meet any of them You know, I had an outline. Every chapter was like getting the ball rolling. The first opening paragraph of every chapter was the hardest. It was just a brain dump. I don't know. I I would brain dump everything I could think of about that topic that this particular chapter was talking about, and then I would try to unscramble it all into some fashion that made sense.
2: I like that. I think that's good advice because I think people are hesitant (laughs) to write because they're they're trying to self-edit too much. But I say just go for it. Just write whatever's in your head, and then you can worry about the editing.
0: Yeah. That's what I do is I throw it all down. And if I, you know, while I'm doing it, if I'm like, oh, this I, this would go up there, then I'll, I'll do that. But it's just a brain dump. And then I organize it into a way that hopefully made sense. I love it.
2: Okay, Jeff. This Give awesome. us whatever it was you were doing in your car. <laughs>
1: in the middle of the be- night. Before you hacked us.
0: Appreciate you guys having me come on. And uh, congratulations, Gwen and Rudy, on another awesome season. And I cannot wait to be part of the next. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Have you guys a good take night. Take care. All right, you too. Be well. What
2: do you think?
1: Uh, that was funny. I like that. That was a good one. You pulled a fast one on me.
2: I sincerely
1: <laughs> thought there was a, I should have known something was up. Good stuff. Nice.
2: Mm, good. Well, in uh, talking about our season two, so I went and looked at some of our top episodes.
1: You're the data guru. You hold, <laughs> you hold the keys to everything. What's the situation? Well,
2: one of our top episodes is with Liz Farmer and it was on the gig economy and the fate of cities. Cities are, have already been transformed by the gig economy. With Airbnb, obviously, I mean, just with the hotels, kind of the entertainment and tourism aspect of cities has already been transformed.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that stuff.
2: I know that was your—it's your wheelhouse. That one was really, really great. So we also have to, you know, give a shout out to Liz Farmer.
1: By the way, we're going to need to get her back on for season three because she just announced. I don't know if you saw this on LinkedIn. She just announced that she's doing a, a whole newsletter, starting her own business type of things. So we got to oh, get cool. her on here to promote that.
2: For sure. I mean, I think one of the things that I like about that episode is I like weaving in all of the things that are impacted. I don't, let me, let, wait, let me back up. A lot of times, especially in the university system, when we talk about, <laughs> Jeff just text. thanks for having me. <laughs> when in, in the university system, the way we say like, okay, you're majoring in this, you're majoring in that, you're majoring in this. And a lot of times students, when they're doing their general ed, they're like, why do I have to take this class? Because it has nothing to do with my major. And I think that that's a really unfortunate thing that we've kind of sold people on to suggest if you're studying one thing that has nothing to do with anything else. I really like topics like the gig economy and the fate of cities because we talk about the interlacing of the app technology the economy the way people are you know legally the way people are defined as employees and then we're also talking about the construction of cities and then where also the housing market all of that stuff is together so if you understand one then you're able to get a hold of some of those other things. But you can't just treat all of those topics like they're just different things. Like you're just talking about an app or you're just talking about a city structure. So that's one of the reasons why I really like that episode. I'm also because Liz Farmer is amazing, but that's one of the reasons why it's one of our top.
1: I mean, I think it's very relevant in particular today because President Biden just signed the infrastructure bill. So if anybody yeah. wants to get some kind of a understanding, like, okay, why does this matter? What's this infrastructure bill? What's this other social infrastructure bill that everybody's talking about and saying they're going to be battle over? Go listen to that episode. It'll give you a good roadmap as to why this stuff really matters I'm so happy to hear that that's one of our top episodes because we actually called the episode bringing sexy infrastructure back. And I coined that term at a conference that's, that's actually going on this week here in Los Angeles at commotion LA. I coined that about three or four years ago. And I swear to you, I'm now seeing pop-ups of like little articles or little Instagram things and little things saying sexy infrastructure this or bringing the sex mm-hmm. back into infrastructure and all that type of stuff.
2: I think that was me.
1: I'm 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 saying that was me. I'm just going to go ahead and put a pin in. Yep, that's all because of Rudy Sallow.
2: Copyrighted. For sure. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, if I was smart, if I if I knew anything about the law and like how to like monetize <laughs> things, that's what I would have done. Instead, you know, I'm not.
2: Another episode that is that was one of our tops in season two is our episode with Jackson Katz, and that was the one that was on it's a men's issue. So we did it way back at the beginning. I think it was our second episode of season two where Jackson Katz had that TED talk about um, violence against women, and he was saying this is actually a men's issue
0: because people shouldn't be shocked in 2013 or
1: 2020 to hear a man say men should challenge other men who are acting out in sexist and abusive ways towards women and girls.
2: I'm really glad that that episode resonated with so so many people. I know that this is a completely tangential issue, but one of the things I learned about podcasting from that episode was that because his TED Talk And his books and his work, and he's been on like the Today Show and stuff like that. I thought he was so far out of our orbit. And I just figured, what the hell? And I sent him an email asking if he would be on the show. And when he said yes, I just about died. So, one of the things, if anyone out here who is listening wants to do a podcast or is interested in interviewing, just go for it. Do not be afraid to just go ahead and ask. And I am so glad that he took the time to be on our show. And he really was just so thoughtful. And also you should check out his TED Talk called uh, It's a Men's Issue, Jackson Katz. And he also wrote a book called The Macho Paradox, which is really, really good. Let me ask you, from season two, is there something that really stands out to you?
1: Yeah, I'd have to say two of my favorite episodes um, were, I showed my vulnerabilities, which I do on pretty much every show. I show how crazy of a person I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved our uh, um, To Infinity and Beyond. That's one um, of the top ones too. Just loved it. And I had had some of my friends that are not big podcast fans. I literally had them in the car on a road trip and I put it on there. They rolled their eyes and then they started listening to it and they're like, oh, I loved it. That was great. And then they looked at me kind of funny. They were like, you're really afraid of aliens. And then that led to a whole other discussion about my fear of aliens. And then another episode that I think I probably think about it, not once a day, but probably every other day is the one we did on the philosophy of grief. And I feel like I made so much personal growth and progress during that episode. I think, Rudy, in terms of, you know,
0: apprehension about death, if I can give some reassurance or solace, the, the cover art for my book is by a Japanese artist named Motoi Yamamoto. And he creates these installations that were kind of inspired by his own sister's death from cancer in her 20s. And they're installations where he makes these complex sort of grid or maze-like patterns. He makes them out of salt. Once the installation is done at a museum, he invites people to come to the museum and take the salt and throw it into the sea. And so I think if you're worried about death, Rudy, that you know, in some sense we all go back to the sea, right?
1: We all sort of you know, end up back where humanity started. That's a lovely vision of what ultimately our fate is, I think. Yeah, now I want to get transferred to a computer. Those two are some of my top favorites um, this season, Um, mostly because I let the crazy out a little bit even more.
2: Yeah, that one on grief, that was with uh, Dr. Michael Cholby. And I agree with you. That was a really great, great episode. And I remember thinking, how are we going to pull this off, having an episode that's on grief? Because, you know, you and I, we like to have... A bit of a levity to our episodes. You know, there's information, there's conversation, there's learning, but we also want some levity. And I thought, I don't know how we're going to do this, but Dr. Tolby has a fantastic personality, and he's just very honest. And then, of course, Rudy, you're great with your uh, your fear of dying. And that episode ended up having, which I think is like the perfect trifecta, where it is the flow of conversation, the learning, and a bit of entertainment.
1: And we really talked philosophy on that because sometimes, yeah. you know, when, it, when when I try to promote the show, I, you know, I say, well, it is a philosophy podcast. Not every episode do we actually touch heavily on philosophy. Like you always try to bring something in from your teachings as a philosophy pr- professor, which I appreciate. And I try to bring in some legal component. But on that one, I think it was a trifecta. We really got into the philosophy of grief. Not only was I a, a participant on the show, an active participant but I was listening and trying to apply what he was saying while we were talking. And yet I still want to transfer my body. (laughs) So it was just kind of like, oh, I just dismissed everything.
2: You know, something that stood out to me in that episode when he said grief, when he was talking about when you have a relationship with somebody and then they die, he described it as you're reorienting that relationship. And I thought that that was beautiful and true. And I had never thought about it that way because I think maybe when somebody dies, we think that that's an end to the relationship. And I had never thought about it as, no, that's not the end of the relationship. It's a change in the relationship.
1: And I think we touched upon it a little bit, but you could probably apply that to you know, without somebody dying, but like the ending of a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You can, I mean, the relationship has changed. so you have to change the way that you have, you think about that relationship and, you know, you, you have to grieve and you have to move on just as if somebody had died. And so it's not... What's my point? It's not just about death. It is about learning how to deal with the change of circumstances and moving on with your life.
2: Yeah. Well, I guess I want to tell our listeners So, some things. We have hit, I'm just so excited. So we've hit the 25,000 download mark. Thank you for all the texts, the DMs, the reviews. And I don't know, I'm just so humbled by it. I'm so excited. But we want to let people know that the best way to support the show is really to tell your friends about the show, give it a five-star rating, share it with people, put it on Instagram, take a screenshot of your favorite episode, and then tag us on Instagram at Pod. And one of my goals for season three is that I would really like to get more input from our listeners and even um, sponsors. So you can get in touch good as in the details pod at gmail.com if you want to advertise with us. We're also got merch now, the beanies. They're going to be coming in soon. Um, I'll put a picture of that up on Instagram. For season three, we've already got some great guests lined up. I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about genetic engineering. We're going to be talking about dating and relationships. We have a discussion by, let's see, Michaela. She's the author of a book. I think it's called Make Work Matter. Oh, I hope I didn't butcher that. And we also have a couple more How Do You maternity episodes that are going to be really, really moving. I think really great. I don't know. Anything that you want to say? What are some of your like... Hopes for season three or some of the things that you've really appreciated about season two?
1: Well, I think for season three, some people that I would like to get onto the show, uh, I've got a, another Servite buddy who works in the local government realm, and he's going to come on and talk about the housing crisis and oh, and how we really need to rethink real estate, cities, streets, infrastructure. I think it's going to be a fascinating and great and impactful show. We'll have Jeff back onto the show to get into more of the week needs of corruption and perhaps we'll have some listeners listeners that listen to this wrap-up episode that want to send in some questions about corruption that we can ask Jeff directly mm-hmm. and yeah I hope we get some more filmmakers on the show I'm getting more involved into film I'm hoping to have the the director of the short film that I was in curtain call that thankfully has won a bunch of awards Mikey Nunez he and I are working on another uh, short film that's going to be all in Spanish and I think he I think we're gonna have some topics about what's it really like to be a Latino Latino filmmaker today and why there's a not enough Latino filmmakers and what we, can we do about that. And um, I'm very excited. I love the diversity of the shows, but I love the, that we came up. The number one thing that I'd love that we came up with during season two, Gwen, was what you did. It was our brand, which is, I still can't even repeat it. It's something about Socrates and (laughs) experts.
2: (laughs) Learning what we didn't know we didn't know.
1: In the spirit of of Socrates. I love that we came up with that and that we're applying that. And I'm hoping to hit that home even more during season three. Yeah.
2: It's fun. You know, I mean, I think, you know, just seeing the numbers, like the downloads and I don't know, just like all of the reviews and stuff. I'm just so glad that we did this. And I'm so thankful to you, Rudy, that, you know, when I came to you and I said, I have an idea, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but will we be on board? And you were like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and an I am so thankful. I'm so thankful. And I'm glad that I went with my gut that in the university system, when I'm, student, when I'm talking with my students about some of these topics, because philosophy means love of wisdom. So that's a pretty big ballpark. We talk about a lot of different things. And I see so many of my students that they are enjoying being engaged in big ideas. And so I just thought I would take a bet and see if a broader audience wouldn't like some of these ideas. I'm just so, so grateful that it's working that people do like it and that I have you who as just an awesome, awesome co-host with great hair.
1: I appreciate that. I was going to make a, a funny philosophy joke about does philosophy really mean the love of wisdom or does it mean answer no questions? But I guess in a way, the love of wisdom is another way of saying, well, we're not going to answer any questions. We're just going to keep studying and, and getting deeper down in there and keep asking questions. That, so it really means the same thing.
2: It cracks me up whenever we have a philosopher on the show and you ask a question and every time I hear the philosopher say, you know, I think actually Dr. Michael Tolby said, well, I'm not going to sign on the dotted line with that or David of Overthink podcast said, I don't know if I have an answer. And I was just like, Rudy, when you ask philosophers questions, they are just going to explain to you why it is a good question and why they don't know.
1: Which is really funny that I talk so much trash about philosophers (laughs) because the number one dig on lawyers is the very first answer that a lawyer will and should give is, well, that depends. If A, then B. If B, then C. If C, then... I mean, that. so it's kind of joke on my side because me as a lawyer, I always get picked on so I could pick on you all. Big shout out to Overthink Pod coming on to the, our show twice.
2: Yeah. I'm um,
1: hoping maybe we can do some more stuff with them. Hoping we could do some more cross David's podcast. book is out.
2: Yes. David's book and David's is book is out. I, I think it was something like When Animals Dream or something along those lines, but shoot, I probably butchered another book title, but yeah. um, And Ellie Anderson is also just really really great and they've done a fantastic job i keep saying fantastic they've done a wonderful job with their podcast so anyone who's listening and they're like i want more philosophy want more philosophy podcasts they make a really great team
1: absolutely i've actually had people reach out to me about the two times we've had people from overthink on this show and they love those shows Mm -hmm. Um, i was slightly offended because i you know on the very first show i kind of kept quiet because there was three philosophers and you guys are all smarter than me i was like dude what do you mean that's one of your favorite shows i barely even said anything of substance
2: In fact, Sartre and Beauvoir and Merleau-Ponty, right, had a journal and they wrote newspaper articles. They were interviewed on the radio all the time. And so I actually just got a grant from Pomona to tie existentialism, which I'm teaching next semester, to public philosophy. And so I'm going to be teaching my students how to podcast and do YouTube Mm -hmm. philosophy videos in the spirit of the existentialists that we're reading, because that's sort of the equivalent today, right, of the things that they were doing back in the 1940s
1: shout out to overthink pod. Hopefully we can get them and even more podcasts out there to come on and yeah, no, thank you for having me. Thank you for putting the show together. Looking forward to season three.
2: Okay. All right. We'll see you. I guess we'll see you in January. Bye.